0: What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's offside. Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. You guys have a ton of choices out there. Truly do appreciate you making us part of your day. Uh, Jam-packed in this hour. Diesel, what do you say we, we uh, try to bring Dan Scott on around 540 uh, this afternoon? That would be awesome. Get a little update from Missoula, Montana on the Dins going for a spot in the final four of the FCS. How about that one? My friends, a spot in the Final Four is on the line. And maybe, just maybe, a win tonight, and Furman is hosting the national semifinal. How sweet would that be? Let's go for that. Also coming up in the next segment, the most difficult admission for Panthers fans. That's coming up in the next segment here on the show today. But as for right now, it is time for us to do that jam. We call it the top five at five. The top five biggest sports stories of the day, the top five topics we're discussing. ladies and gentlemen of the upstate offsiders. the top five at five starts right now.
3: And now the top five at five And five, four,
0: three, two, one Hit it five. Let's keep it right here with the Dins, 17-and-a-half-point underdogs. Will they successfully F Montana one time, two times, three times, or will they successfully F Montana all the time? Mark, that sounds like something you can't say on the radio. You can because it is Furman's slogan. It is Furman's hashtag, hashtag. it's what they attempt to do to every opponent they play FU one time FU two times FU three times FU all the time. so what has to happen tonight for Furman to be victorious you got to deal with the elements you've got to you got to stomach the weather man you gotta hold Montana um, from just going gangbusters on you in the early going. You want to look up in the third quarter and still see Furman in the game. Montana has blitzkrieg, blitzkrieged a lot of these teams early. Diesel told me what they've, they've averaged or they've scored at least 34 points in their last five games. That isn't who Furman is. That isn't who Furman has been, right? Furman wins a lot of games in the low 20s or 17-14 type of games. And so... For me, Furman has got to win the battle of identity. Who is gonna get the other side to play their type of game today? Is it going to be the Furman Paladins? We will soon see. And I can't wait to check this out. Coverage right here on the fan upstate, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time, nationally televised kickoff, 9 p.m. ESPN 2. We're excited. It has been a down year for sports in the upstate. Very down year. Clemson had an edict to make the college football playoff. That was out of play in September. South Carolina following up a top 25 season with a losing one. The Atlanta Braves, biggest postseason favorites that MLB has had in quite some time. Grab the bed, right? And the Carolina Panthers... An XFL team playing in the NFL. What more can you possibly say about that? Get behind the mojo, the feel-good of the Furman Paladins this evening, and we, my friends, will be right there with you. Next up. Four. At number four. How about the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, and a national championship? Michigan is my pick to win the national championship this year my friends sorry they are Um, i think they're a wee bit better than just about everybody else and you know it's interesting i asked brent beard who who his pick would be to win it all um he had georgia one alabama two and texas three he believed the sec championship game was essentially the national championship game Who is your pick to win the national championship this year? I'm going Michigan. I am fascinated by what's going on behind the scenes with Michigan trying to lock up Jim Harbaugh, five-year, $55 million deal, $11 million a year, with a caveat that he can't look at NFL jobs. Why would Jim Harbaugh agree to that? You think Jim Harbaugh wants to be dealing with staffers cheating, with NIL, with a transfer portal? With all of this nonsense, you think Jim Harbaugh wants that action? I am not so sure. Next up. Three. At number three. What do you say we predict the playoff teams in the National Football League? When all is said and done, here are the seven that are going to be in from the AFC. I have got the Kansas City Chiefs. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Baltimore Ravens, the Miami Dolphins. I've got the Denver Broncos. I've got the Indianapolis Colts. And I will go with the Buffalo Bills as my final and seventh seed over in the NFC. Give me the one seed. Philadelphia Eagles. Big game against Dallas this weekend. That's for the division lead. Two-seed San Francisco 49ers. Three-seed Detroit Lions. Somebody's got to win the South, right? Who is it? I'll say it's the New Orleans Saints. They are your four-seed. At five, I will go Dallas. Can you imagine poor New Orleans has to face Dallas then in the wild-card round? Dallas will be your number-five seed. The Rams are suddenly on fire. Who is it going to be, they or the Seattle Seahawks? I'll go Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams with the sixth seed, and I will go Minnesota Vikings at number seven. My seven playoff teams in each conference, how did I do? Agree or disagree? With the seven I have selected. Next up. Two. At number two on the show today lots of rumors surrounding Shohei otani today now guys i gotta give you a warning here okay we've got folks that are in our chat and in our text line and they try to report stuff as though it's news as though it's already happened that's not nice to do to us okay because like diesel and i know better than to just latch on to somebody who says something a couple of you guys were trying to get me to say on the air the other day that Will Shipley had entered the transfer portal, only it was a different Shipley, and I didn't fall for it. Like, I, we check and double-check and triple-check everything that we look at. But, guys, you got to be, if you're reporting something as fact and news, you have to know it's done. Please do not spew rumor on here or conjecture on here. You got to know it's done. So, how about... How about the fact that John Morosi has an update here on Shoei Otani? And he says there's five teams still in it to win it.
3: We do expect that Shoei will make his decision in the coming days. By the end of the weekend, is what I've been told most recently. There is still a lot of mystery, which is, of course, very on brand for Shoei as to exactly where he is going to go, when exactly he'll decide how he'll let us know where he has decided but we do know that none of the the big five as i call them uh, have been eliminated necessarily uh the dodgers the giants are certainly part of that mix the angels the cubs and the blue jays the dodgers according to many are still the favorites i would say though that the the team i've heard the second most about this week is the blue jays and they put together a very compelling pitch to him Reportedly in Dunedin on Monday in their palatial new player development complex. And the more that I've heard about is what his decision making points are, what he values, that Toronto matches up quite well with that.
4: Can I add the random mid interview music bed drop to the can we stop thing for sports television to stop doing? You're in the middle of an interview. You just throw this guitar riff underneath him for about 20 seconds and then cut it off. Why? Doesn't make sense.
0: Let the guy talk. Let the cooks cook. Uh, Shohei Ohtani, guys, where does he end up? Could it be the Blue Jays? If it's the Blue Jays, Dave Roberts of the Dodgers is in trouble. Why? Because Dave Roberts broke the Ohtani rule. The Ohtani's camp asked for total privacy about the meetings. And Dave Roberts said, yeah, we met with him. Not going to lie to you. Was a good, productive conversation. That's exactly what Otani and company did not want you to do. And that's exactly what they did. How about that? Where does he end up? I'm going to go Dodgers 1, but what I would do is, if I was Otani, I I would take a really close look at the Atlanta Braves. I really would. And finally. 1. You know, folks, I had Mike Golick Jr. coming at me about this. He said, look, when you hear rhetoric like this, it's only when it happens to your team. Here's what I said about Trevor Etienne, the the brother of Travis, entering the transfer portal and leaving my Florida Gators yesterday. This isn't about playing time for upper echelon guys. Etienne is the top playmaker for a Blue Blood brand. Florida is a Blue Blood brand. They've won three national championships In the last 30 years, only only schools that can say that Florida, Florida State, Nebraska, LSU and Alabama three in the last 30 years. Okay, this isn't about playing time. This is about wanting to enter uncapped free agency where the highest bidder claims the prize. And it is disgusting. It is gross. This sport needs guardrails badly and do not allow college athletes, to gaslight you into thinking they're being abused. They're receiving a $200,000 four-year experience. That's just from the admissions office. Then they're experiencing, uh, they're receiving thirty dollars to $50,000 a year from the football program in training and treatment and development, et cetera, et cetera. Who pays for the flights? Who pays for the hotel stays? You know when um, when Clemson went by bus to Florida State a couple years ago during the pandemic and Florida State pulled the plug on Clemson right before kickoff you know what just the bus trip cost Clemson $300,000 okay so when i say to you that only 25 to 30 programs make a profit on football please stop with it they're rolling in millions of dollars and it's a time time for the kids to get a cut this is not What college football was designed to be. Ever. Ever. Now, Dennis Dodd, you heard him say, well, it's not going to change. And that's depressing to me. Because you know what's going to happen? Eventually, there isn't going to be a bag for these blue chip players to go get. You know, eventually, this sport could fall in popularity so much that the demand for the high-end guys just isn't there anymore. Overnight, all of this activity went from highly illegal to in front of everybody's face. And I just was sent a tweet. Somebody sent me that Travis ETN has a $264,000 NIL evaluation. Is that per year? What does that even mean? Like $264,000 per year or what? Um, So now we're attaching dollar figures to players in Athletics. Do you feel like folks? I mean, like, how do you feel about where we're headed here? This isn't about, um, you know, things just happening poorly to my team, right? This is happening to South Carolina. This is happening to the Florida Gators. This is happening to teams throughout college football. You know, and then then what these guys do is they blame Florida. Well, sorry, Mark, you should have won more. He wants to be on a winning team. Well, wouldn't a real man want to be part of making Florida? A winning team? These guys don't care about your school anymore. It used to mean something to be a Clemson Tiger, to be a Gamecock, to be a Florida Gator. Well, guess what? It still does mean something to be a Clemson Tiger because Barrett Carter, a projected first or second round pick, is returning to school. And that's what happens when you as a program have established a culture people want to be a part of. Congratulations, Clemson fans! You guys built
4: this—from fans to coach to program. I would hope and wish that that one day Mike Golic Jr. Is, is a better user of social media than this flippant dismissal of, "Oh, well, you just don't like it because it's your team." Like Mike Golic Jr., that's the same response that all these other mouth-breathing knuckle draggers out there say—the same things. You just have a bigger platform. Yeah, it is. It is. And
0: he's not listening to the show because we scream that this is horribly unhealthy for the sports as far as the eye can see. Mark Ryan, why don't you want these guys to be able to make money? Why don't you want to be? No, no, no. Fairly. And the way NIL was intended, yes. Yes, I'm fine with that. But not go to the highest bidder and you pay and you develop a kid and you invest in a kid
4: only to see him leave. I want to know if and when a university will ever sue another university for damages. Let's say with Travis Etienne, you put three years into him and you, you estimate the value of what you've put into a player to this point. If you can prove tampering, let's just say he goes to Texas. Well, if Florida could could prove tampering by Texas officials. Could Florida sue Texas for the damages, not only of what they've already spent and invested into this guy, but what his potential value was to the university for the remainder of his time there at Florida? Sure. And why do why would Trevor Etienne not have to pay that back
0: or owe some money to the university? You know, you have taken from the university – And you have not provided the university with the service that you promised. Why wouldn't you owe the university something? (sighs) And those are today's top five at five. I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. Diesel, this week has worn me the hell out. Florida State, (laughs) transfer portal, angry
4: fans. Um, I see fans on message boards who just spend... An inordinate amount of time upset, screaming, watching the transfer portal, worried about whether or not this player or that player is going to leave. You know, like you could say that it's caring a little bit less about your team, but like I just, I'm just like, all right, whoever's on the team next year is on the team next year. Like it doesn't matter to me anymore.
0: Texter says Juice Wells got $800,000 from NIL this year just to play four games and haul ass in the portal. Texter says Mark Atlanta came out and said they've got all the position players they need. They were asked, is he a position player? No, he's a DH and we have our DHers. He can't pitch until probably mid of season 2025. Uh, Texter says I would love Harbaugh as the Cardinals head coach. Won't happen, but I can dream. Texter says, I wish Dennis Dodd had said it wasn't a fluke 4th and 31 miracle to beat Auburn instead of 3 at the buzzer regarding Texas over Alabama. Texter says, Mark Forbes says the average salary in the U.S. is for $59,428. These kids make way more than that. The portal is going to ruin college football without the applied rules to govern it. And Dennis Dodd says... They're not coming anytime soon. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Buckle up. You know, this could be like one day you wake up and you just feel like breaking up with college football. This could be one of those where, like, it's a very slow falling out of love with it, right? It's not about players making money. It's about doing so in shady, corrupt ways that don't allow you to build a team anymore. That's what's really going
4: on here. Here's one thing team. that we haven't talked about. Trey brought it up. This is a valid point here, Mark. Um, he said, uh, I'll agree that there should be some guidelines. As a South Carolina fan, I'm disappointed with losing top players to the portal the last two years. But we did get Rattler through the portal. Everybody hates it when it happens to players from their team. You love it when when guys choose to join your team. So uh, I would challenge you. To admonish the players who join Florida's roster this year, and everybody, if you really dislike the transfer portal, use the platform and use the time to say, "I don't really care about this guy." I didn't really, yeah. you know, you know. It, I, I, you'd have to tell me what, what, what players coming into Florida made significant uh, uh, contributions this year to wins, caught touchdown passes, whatever, picked up a lot of yards. Played a lot of snaps, you know. Everybody everybody loves the, pl- the players that choose to transfer in.
0: Diesel, uh, we're not saying just like immigration, right? We're not saying there should be no immigration. Sure. Right? But you've got to have guidelines. Right. And you have to have a system of checks and balances. Well, I'm not against transfers, okay? What I am against is inducements, poaching of the players that you're developing yeah. and kids just deciding through their mom and dad that it's time to buy grandma a house we're going to leave for the highest bidder.
4: I do have a problem one one rule change that I would like to make would be the the one year penalty free one time penalty free transfer if your coach leaves. That should only be the case if you follow your coach to the next destination. You shouldn't just get one free transfer just because. You should yeah. get it if if you tra- if he wants you to come with him. You should go. But that that could be the entire team that up and leaves because your head coach took another job. But how many players would a coach legitimately want to or be able to bring with him to the next destination? Two, three, tops? Fair point.
0: Fair point indeed. All right. Up next on the show, the most difficult admission for Carolina Panthers fans is...
2: Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate, rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Fantastic to have you guys with us. So, what is... uh, Texter says, Mark L.O. Ducks, would, I've been in and out the last couple days. Will you please tell me when the upset picks need to be in? Uh, Mark L.O. Ducks, no upset picks this week, so do not worry about it. Uh, let's see here. Texter says, don't schools only offer scholarships as a year commitment at a time to athletes? It seems fair to me if players want to move year to year, what say you? Yeah, no. Like, no. It, it, the, the, the team doesn't pull the scholarship unless the kid isn't trying. The, the, the school is making a four-year commitment to the kid, right? So don't, don't fall for that, Texter. Don't fall for that. Um, so anyway, uh, guys, I want to share this with you, okay? I want to share this with you. Um, I believe the most difficult admission for Carolina Panthers fans right now is that they are light years away from competing, light years away. And I don't think anybody realizes just how far away they are. Let me ask you this. What do you have on the roster right now that you can rely on? Can you rely on J.C. Horn? No. The GM, the coach? No. Who are they? Can you rely on Bryce Young? No. Do you have an offensive line? No. Do you have a star running back? No. You You can't do any of that, right? Can't rely on any of these guys. Okay, so what you have is you have a defensive tackle, Derek Brown, who's pretty good. All right, you have a number one overall draft pick quarterback, and you have by far, by a mile, the worst roster in the National Football League. You have a itchy trigger finger owner. Okay, Um, you have a uh, you have no head coach. You have the worst reputation in the NFL. You have lost the state of South Carolina as one that supports you. And, like, I I, I don't know, Diesel, that people even realize this. Like, I feel like next year, you know, Panther fans are going to fall prey to this as well, and they're going to be saying, well, you never know. New year, new team, right? New year, new team. You never, never know. I'm telling you, Diesel, this team – if they did everything right beginning right now, mm-hmm. December 8, 2023, if they did everything right, and you know that's not going to happen, but like let's say they get a top 12 player in the draft with their 33rd pick, okay? Top 12 player, how is this guy there? Man, they did it, they pulled it off, they hire the right coach. I think it's three years yeah. before they're in the playoffs. And if they, if they do what they usually do, as the Carolina Panthers, we might be in the 2030s before we're talking about them being relevant again. Right.
4: Well, the stat was that that I put together was that three years after a team bottoms out, they typically see a six-win improvement, which is still sub 500 for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, there's no way that this is not bottoming out. I mean, you could go winless next year, uh, but there's no way that this is not bottoming out. So we're talking the 2027 season before this team actually wins six games. Yeah. That's brutal. That's a brutal place to be for the Carolina Panther fan base. I mean, you know, Scott Fitterer has to suddenly turn a switch and be able to draft in the second and third rounds. He has to suddenly start making smart financial decisions that put the Carolina Panthers back into a place where they could be buyers of talent. I mean, how do you give up everything that they've given up over the last 18 months and not have any money in the bank? Like, these are the worst deals you could possibly make. And yet, David Tepper has left Scott Fitterer on staff. The guy that has bleeped this up so royally is still on staff. Make it make sense. And David Tepper's sending his damn wife to practice to scout again. I saw this footage. 2 days ago. Oh no. She's on the sideline on the practice field. Scouting whoever. The hell are you doing, Dave Tepper? What are you doing? You're sending your wife out to scout. Um, diesel
0: in fairness, we shouldn't act we shouldn't roll our eyes at that if we're not rolling our eyes at him scouting. Because as far as we know, she knows more about the sport than, than he does. It's possible. Right? right? Eli Drinkwitz never played the game, but he's a hell of a football coach. And I'll tell you this. You know, the fact that it's now coming out that Dave Tepper was the guy pushing Bryce Young when others within the organization really wanted C.J. Stroud, and you, you're you seeing how this is unfolding and how this is developing. You know, to me, Diesel, what I'm seeing from Bryce Young like, whenever there's been a quarterback that small, he's incredibly mobile. Right? Sure. Incredibly. Bryce Young is not. Right. Right? So Bryce Young, at best, looks like kind of like a serviceable backup. You know? And I'm not saying that's his ceiling. I'm saying that's what he looks like right now. Where is Bryce Young special? Is he special in arm strength? No. Is he special in accuracy? He hasn't been. Is he special in mobility? No. You know, he he's a leader. He seems to have very good IQ. But, man, like, are you seeing a, a, a player that you would invest a number one overall pick on? Are you seeing a Joe Burrow skill
4: set? I'm sure C.J. he's going to be a great skillset. offensive coordinator one day. Right. I mean, <laughs> if he's that cerebral and smart and able to see things, he'll make a hell of a coordinator. Yeah. All right. We talk Furman football with...
0: Dan, the man, and we do so next right here on Offsides. We are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. Rolling on until 7 p.m. today. Fantastic to have you guys with us. Joined live on location, Missoula, Montana, the voice of the Paladins, none other than Dan Scott. All right, Dan, in situations like this, I always like for the person on location to bring us there to the best of your ability. So can you do that, Dan, for our audience? Bring us to Missoula, Montana with you. What are you feeling? Can you feel your fingers? Can you feel your face? What are you looking at? What's today been like for you? What are your first impressions of Missoula? take us there mark, voice mark, of the paladins
5: mark I, I'm just a simple play-by-play guy that's too many <laughs> questions in a row that you're expecting me to answer now actually uh, th- thanks for having me on sure, it's gonna buddy. be a fun it's gonna be a fun day we had a great flight. Last night, uh, got in here in, in just about four hours flat and had a chance to go to uh, the radio crew. We went to a, a uh, really, really nice steakhouse uh, in, in a place about uh, 10 miles outside of town. So we, we had a chance to sample some. You want, you want the flavor? The, the beef at that steakhouse is all uh, grown, raised, slaughtered, and fixed within 40 miles of the place that we were. So it's all uh, locally uh locally harvested beef it's it was incredible and did you
4: ride the buffalo that you ate into the restaurant (laughs) parking lot
5: (laughs) no we took a lift so we were we were good from that standpoint uh but you know i'm sitting here right now it's probably 34 35 degrees And the the forecast uh, is is really good. We just had a, a little bit of a snow squall that came in and put a light dusting on the field. But the sun is out now, and there's not supposed to be any issue with snow as we get to game time and then the hour by hour. It's not going to be an issue. There's not much, if any, wind right now. This is a gorgeously picturesque setting. As I'm sitting here in the radio booth looking across the way, The stadium is encased in mountains here in Montana. So I can just picture the sound that 25,000 fans hear echoing off of those mountains coming back in this direction. I think it's going to be a phenomenal setting for college football. I think it's going to be a great game for two teams on paper that have outstanding defenses. I think it's going to be physical. You know, the, the, the old term that the old coaches used to use, guys, slobber knocker. I think that's what we are in for here in Missoula tonight.
4: Dan, what would you say that uh, Coach Clay Hendricks' conversation really has been about to this team this week? Uh, is, is it you, you got to shut them down defensively and get them to score uh, a few enough number of points that, that we can have a good chance of beating them? Or is, is he really stressing getting out of the gate fast and trying to put up some points or a mix of both?
5: You know, I, I think it, the 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 goal. I'm going to sound like a coach here, but this this is what he says every week to come out and play their best football game. They're always looking to play their best football game, and and you know, defensively against Chattanooga last week, they they were really really good, and offensively they were good and they were almost great. We had two touchdowns called back on holding penalties and dropped two potential touchdown passes and had to settle for four field goals. So. They were that close to having their best offensive output of the season. I think what you'll have to do, uh, th- this this place is going to, to be, if not 100% packed, it's going to be close. It's going to be loud. They're going to be jacked up. So you're, you're going to have to wade through a little emotion at the beginning of the game. And after that, it's going to settle down. To football, This is a veteran team, guys. This is a team that has 41 players who walked on senior day. So I don't think they're going to be phased. A lot of teams that come in here in the regular season or particularly in the playoffs uh, here at Washington Grizzlies Stadium, they get intimidated by the atmosphere. Berman has played at South Carolina this year. They played at Clemson last year. They've played at NC State. They've played at Virginia Tech. They've been in all of these atmospheres playing in front of 75, 80, 85,000 people. The atmosphere is not going to intimidate this team.
0: Oh, there's some beautiful. You're getting serenaded in the background, Dan. This This is
5: really nice. The band is around you. Yeah, it's a trombone player and a tuba down there. It's about my speed.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, was that, a, was that a trombone diss? I played trombone in the marching band way back in the I, day. day. I,
5: I was a trumpet player. My there friend.
0: you go. There you go. Dan, how do you explain a 17-and-a-half-point spread in this game? That seems like a slap in the face to Furman. I
5: I think it is uh, a combination of Vegas doing what it can to get as much money down on the game from from people, number one, and I think it is a nod to how well that Montana has played in the playoffs here uh, at their home stadium. Uh, when you you start looking at their uh, their numbers in the FCS postseason, they're 33 and seven here all the time, so they don't lose games here very often. Interestingly enough, 10 years ago this year, Coastal Carolina still at the FCS level came out here the first time they had ever played a game west of the Mississippi and won on this field in the snow. So, um, you know, it, it, it can be done. I think that's probably got a lot to, to do with, with that spread. I think that it, it's a little bit of, of disrespect for Furman, but, you know, we'll see once, uh, once we kick it off.
4: Dan, uh, I'm looking here at a photo of the stadium, not the one that you sit, which is just an absolutely incredible shot. Uh, but I guess over to your uh, to your left, there is a river running. If uh, if you had a line right now, what would you throw into that river if you were trying to catch dinner?
5: Uh, Tom Van Hoy, uh, <laughs> because I don't fish, so I'm going to throw somebody in there who you know might be able to grab something with his hands or his teeth. So. And plus, I'm bigger than Tom. If it comes down to survival, he's going in, and I'm not. Um, how do you think, Dan? How does this team, and what what are some of the measures
0: Clay Hendricks is taking, just to get them acclimated to this kind of uh, environment with the temperatures? Because this is not this is not the norm for the Furman Pelicans.
5: It, it's not, but Mark, it's going to be. 30 degrees at kickoff there there's the winds are expected to be only about three miles an hour it's not going to be frigid and quite honestly it's not going to be any colder than some of the 6 a.m spring practices that Furman has in February so I I, you know when you look at what Delaware played in here last week and and that that snow squall they had that it just kept dumping wet snow uh, all over the field and, and they couldn't keep it scraped That's not going to be the case here. Um, And and Furman also has a little bit of a secret weapon. Our offensive coordinator, Justin Roper, played at Montana. So he is very familiar with everything that is this atmosphere. And, you know, he told his players, I talked to him this week, he said if you're worried about what you're going to wear to stay warm, you're going to lose. If you're worried about what the fans are going to yell at you, you're going to lose. He said you can't be worried about any of that stuff. You have to embrace it. You have to go out there and – And just it is what it is and and go play football. So um, I think that's been the message. And and I think having Justin Roper, who actually played in this stadium, is a big, big advantage for us.
4: Dan, you said at 41 players on this roster marched on senior day. That's a ton of guys. It feels like it's it's now. I don't want to say now or never for this Furman (laughs) football team, but it seems like this is going to be their best opportunity, maybe for a couple of years, to make a deep, deep playoff run. Uh, Talk to us about what the what the player led leadership on this team uh, is doing to prepare players because coaches can can talk to these guys until they're blue in the face about things. But when a peer says it, I think it hits just a little bit harder. So talk to us uh, about the senior leadership.
5: Yeah, well, the, the good news about that number is about eight of those guys actually are probably coming back next year. I mean, Travis Blackshear walked for the third time on senior day this year. That's where we are now, and, and you know, with with some players still having the COVID year and all those other things. But, no, you're right. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to what the players do. And, and uh, I said in front of Matt Sachovka on the plane and Matt is a rarity uh, or at least used to be a rarity but definitely a rarity for Furman because of two injuries a red shirt in the covert year he's in his seventh season here at Furman he's a guy who has seen this team having to come from a a situation where a coaching change was in order to where they are now And, and just talking with him on the plane yesterday you just got the sense that, I mean, Matt's a jovial guy, he's a joker, he's all of these things, but there was a moment that you could just see this, this glint in his eye when he was talking about, you know, this is his last season and this opportunity they have. You win this and, and you're in the Final Four, and if you win and North Dakota State upset, South Dakota, you get to play another home game next week. There was just that change in demeanor that I saw from him that I think is something that permeates its way through the, the, uh, the guys who have been around here for a long time. They know what's at stake. They know that this could be their last football game ever. And uh, so while they were loose on the plane, they have been loose at the hotel, there's also been a business trip aspect to it.
0: How's the health of the quarterback?
5: You know, you watch him play last week and he's running around and he's uh, heading to the sideline and a defender comes and instead of getting down or stepping out, he throws his shoulder into the guy and knocks him out of bounds. His, he's as healthy as he can be. You know, how, how, many, how many throws and how many hits does Tyler Huff's shoulder have in it right now? Nobody knows the answer to that question. But the three weeks that he had off obviously has – has serviced him well. He threw the ball well last week. It took him a couple of series to kind of get his timing down. But one thing about this kid, the first conversation that I had with his his former head coach at Presbyterian, Tommy Spangler, who is on our staff now and has been for two years, before opening day last year, I said, Tommy, what do I need to know about Tyler Huff? And he said he's a quarterback with a linebacker's mentality. And and that's how we've seen him play for two years. They've tried to coach him to get away from contact, tried to coach him not to run as much, trying to do all these things. But ultimately, he is who he is. And his feet have been a big part of the success that we've had on offense. Dan Scott, the
0: voice of the Paladins, hear the call right here on the Fan Upstate. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m., The whole game will air right here on the Fan Upstate. And do not forget nationally televised as well, ESPN2. Go get them, Dan. We cannot
5: wait. Yeah, we always tell people, Mark, you can watch it on TV. Just turn the sound down and listen to the radio.
0: That's it. Love it. it. That's it, my friend. Have a great call. Dan Scott, uh, voice of the Dins, Furman against Montana for the right to go to the Final Four of the
4: FCS. It is damn good to have a good story to talk about. The crazy the thing, state. Mark, is this stadium, Dan said it, is only about 25,000 capacity. It looks huge. It does. It looks huge. I've, I I want to go here so bad, you don't even know. But I don't want to go to a playoff game because it's cold AF up there. Diesel, there are easily FBS stadiums that are not half that nice. Right. Easily. It's a little odd and piecemeal the way they did the corners of the end zones, but... You don't get very many FBS stadiums that are essentially a bowl all the way around. Yep. Yep. You know, you get sideline sections, maybe maybe a little bit of a grass hill in the end zone. You don't get bowls in, in FBS foot, or FCS football. It's a gorgeous stadium. When did Coastal go there, Diesel? Because I looked up Coastal's schedule. It wasn't this year. No, you know? it would have been,
0: uh, let's see. Yeah, Coastal went there recently and won at Montana, which is not an easy thing to do. And it looks, like Furman can, it, yeah, it looks like Furman can expect a full 25000 there today in Montana. I hope the Grizz brought their lunch pails, man. I'm telling you, those Din boys came to play. 6 o'clock hour is next. And for you, because he didn't hurt the Gamecocks enough, he decided to go out like this. It's offside. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the fan. upstate.